Starting a new series. Uh, its title is this, What the World Needs Now, All the Old People Said is Love, See, Love. Yeah, the younger's like, huh? Unless you've seen a, an Austin Powers uh, movie, maybe you don't know uh, that song. Uh, but uh, a guy named Burt Bacharach wrote it. Great name, Burt Bacharach. Could be playing for the Chiefs tonight in the Super Bowl. Uh, 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 a guy uh, co-wrote it with him, uh, and, and Hal, uh, Hal David uh, is the one who wrote that refrain, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just two. Nice, everyone. Wow, well done. How do you know you're, how good are you uh, quoting verses? All right, uh, uh, in the Bible. Anyway, uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, it goes on, not just for some, but for everyone. What a sentiment, and it's what we're going to be talking about, because... Um, as long as there's been humans in the world, especially once the fall occurs, there's been a lack of love to keep things going in the right directions. Uh, it's the same uh, when uh, we read what we read today in 1 Corinthians. Uh, it was the issue then, it's the issue now. Guess what? This will continue to be a deficit in the existence that we share. Love is always going to be uh, needed and lacking in our world. Countless songs uh, have been sung about it. Um, now why don't you turn to someone right now, and without thinking, just tell them the title uh, of the song that comes to your mind with the word love in it. The first song that comes to your mind with the word love in the title, go. Tell each other, what is it? <laughs> I'd like to know what that one was. There's so many to choose from in all the genres, right? It's one of the favorite themes of pop songs and music in general. Um, uh, let's start with this lady. Anybody go to Tina? What was her question? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Right? Thank you. Thank you. Huh. <laughs> it's terrible. What's love but a secondhand emotion, children of the 80s, unites? What lo what's love got to do with it, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be? Yeah, uh, uh, Tina needed a hug. Um, uh, it's, it's not just, you know, it, uh, a theme from any particular era. You know, some of you are youngers. Uh, uh, I hated this particular area, era in pop music, but I'll try to do the dance. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me. There it is, there you go. Yeah, all right. Okay, we're having fun, okay. Did you see their picture? That was, that was the Witch Boys. The back street, not the front street. Those guys were terrible. But the back street boys, wow. <laughs> anyway, okay, th this is from the uh, rock and roll obscure file. Anybody remember Electric Light Orchestra? Oh, okay, okay, all right, settle down, all right. Uh, they sang lots of songs. Uh, they covered this one from a band that originally sang it called Sweet. Uh, but it's one of my favorites from their, uh, you know, uh, uh, body of work. Love is like oxygen. Anybody? You get too much and you get high. Not enough and you're gonna die. 
I was listening to that one this week. I was like, whoa, hey, ELO, settle down. People are dying out there, apparently. Uh, these, these kinds of love songs, they're romantic, usually romantic love songs, the desire for that kind of love, the lack of that kind of love, the disappointment that came from that kind of love. If we had to get, uh, make a corollary between our modern love songs and the Greek words that our Bibles have um, that, that basically are translated love in our scriptures, these would all be songs about eros, okay, from which we get words like erotic. Um, it's a sexual love, certainly a romantic love. It's what many of you are going to go out on what is it, Wednesday night and celebrate as you do what Hallmark hopes you'll do and, and make a big deal about Valentine's Day. Um, uh, that's that kind of love. Uh, it's not the love I'm gonna be talking about in this series. Uh, I'm not even gonna be talking about uh, a, a better known or as equally known love from the Bible. It's called phileo, right? And phileo is a brotherly love, like Philadelphia cream cheese. Anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a, a love that's kind of captured by the lyrics of one of the uh, you know, most well-known bands of all times when the Sgt. Pepper guys got together and sang this. Join me. All you need is love. Do the chorus. Wah, 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 wah. All you need is love. Come on. Wah, 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 wah. All you need is love. Come on. Love. Come on. Love is all you need. All right, some people, some of you are like, no, Mark. You're funny to look at, but I'm not doing it. That's phileo love. It's this, it's this love that, uh, that the world in general could benefit from for sure. But what I want to talk to you about today is the love that God gives. And many of you already know it. And by the way, I'm not going to be uh, you know, forging new paths for most of us in here. Okay, I know you know this stuff. But here's why we're preaching through this. this the world still needs more love. Your life needs more love. We understand what we're supposed to do, we just choose it not and it makes a mess. And so this is our four week check-in. Where are the love levels in our lives? Where, where should we go in the love levels that God would have us honor him with, in our relationships with each other as a church, in our homes, with our husbands and wives and our kids and our parents and in, in our, our places of work and business and school and friendships and neighborhoods? There needs to be more love. We know that, but are we doing it? Are we a part of God's love being seen in the world? His love is agape love. Um, if I had to kind of distinguish between eros and phileo and agape, eros, not completely, but eros is mostly about taking. It's a taking love, especially in the, you know, in the, in the way that our world uh, understands that kind of love. It's just, what can I get from you and, and, and pleasure myself with or, or, or in? It's a taking love. Phileo goes a step further. It's a give and take love, right? Uh, it, it's the uh, uh, golden rule love. I'll do unto you as you do unto me, right? And I'll give if you give, or, and I'll take as you take, and, and we'll have this symbiotic relationship. But agape love's different. If Eros is taking and phileo is give and take, agape loves just give. Agape love is without uh, condition. We sang a song about that just a little while ago. I was pleasantly surprised to read the lyric. It's about giving. Anybody here grateful that God loves us despite? Without condition? Like his love meter for us is always spiked to 11, spinal tap. It's always as high as it can be. 
And we can be as unloving and as unlovely to him as we can possibly be, and his love for us never changes. Jesus commanded us as his followers um, to adopt this kind of love in life. He was asked what the greatest commandment was, familiar to many of us in Luke 10, 27. He answers this way, love the Lord your God, right? Agape, the Lord your God, with all your heart and soul, mind and strength, with all your mind, and then love your neighbor, agape, your neighbor, as you implied, love yourself. He goes on later in his time with his disciples, and he's gonna basically set up this new covenant that we remembered today as we took, uh, partook of the Lord's Supper together. Uh, but in the new covenant, there's a new commandment. He says this in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you with God's agape love, with my agape love. You are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, it's our calling card, church. The love of God is the calling card of his people. If, if, if people are wondering, ah, maybe I should worship God, maybe I shouldn't, they should be able to look at us and say like, oh, something different about them. They love where the others don't. It goes on uh, in the Bible as being one of the central themes of teaching in the uh, New Testament letters. Um, Peter, Paul, and John, uh, two or three of the big ones who fill the back ends of our Bibles, wrote extensively on this idea of love and its prominence in our lives. John writes this in his first letter in chapter four of 1 John, he says, beloved, that's the Greek word agapetoi, agape ones, Uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Love is a sign of our regeneration in Christ. It's, it's again, what separates us from the rest of the world. We love differently because Christ has loved us and we've received from him the salvation and reconciliation that we have with God. He says, anyone who doesn't love does not know God. Here's what that means. In the moments where you fail to love with agape love, as you're meant to, as you and I are um, blessed to be able to do, in the moments where we forget to, it's as if we don't know God in that situation. Now God always loves us and knows us. You don't have to fear for the loss of your salvation. But we get kinda this uh, selective memory issue going on. Uh, Like, uh, uh, God through us, it's how we're supposed to live. I talked about pipes a couple weeks ago. Him to us and through us, right? But when we fail to love, we put the cap on the bottom of this life that he's given us. And it's as if we've never met him when we fail to love. Why? Because God is love. Powerful statement in your Bibles. Doesn't say God is loving. Doesn't say God is lovely or lovable. He personifies agape love. It just oozes from him. It's just what he is, who he is, how he is with us in life. He says, beloved, if, uh, a couple verses later, if God so loved us, and he does and did, um, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. Uh, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. One more time, John says, listen, this is how people see God. I get this all the time from doubters. If if I could walk up and shake God's hand, what if God was one of us, just a stranger on a bus trying to find his way home, right? I mean, if I could just see God, if you could just, you know, point me and I could say hi, and and, and does God do that for us? 
Uh, I would say yes, because how do we see God? Through his people and the love that they show. In lots of other ways, I would argue, but, uh, but one of the primary means of God revealing himself in his creation is through his recreated ones, as we show love. So much of our Bibles dedicated to this mission of love, you'd figure we Christians would have it down by now. 2,000 years to get this straight. Anybody want to guess how we're doing on it? Yeah, struggling. It's always a struggle. Why? Because we have this new nature that fights with this old us. And the new nature is God and his love and this giving agape love. And the old nature is me and my love for me and myself. And, and, and I want everything that I can have. And the, the two clash on a constant, constant basis. Uh, we find all kinds of ways to elevate less important things in life as we de-emphasize this all-important aspect of God's love. Even in the church, we argue over doctrines, styles of worship, ways that things should appear. Uh, we get enamored with earthly successes. You know, if you go to a church conference, everybody will do their best for as long as they can not to let the, the worldly measurements seep in. But eventually, some pastor's gonna ask another one, how many attend your church? Does anybody know my answer for that? Not enough. And why do I say that? To hopefully make him feel bad. <laughs> Sorry, is that bad? Should I have said that out loud? Anyway, uh, but I still want to play the game. You know what I'd love at those conferences? For pastors to come up and say, hey, how's the love at your church? Where's the love at in your church? Is it, you guys loving better? That's what we're hoping for at our church. Yeah, but how many? Oh, who cares? I just want the ones that are there to get better at being more like God. And, and a huge part of that is them loving like he loves. How's love at your church? Never been asked that. Uh, confession, never asked anybody that. Because why? Because we get distracted by these lesser things. Corinth was a church that was distracted. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13, probably uh, the best known passage on love in our Bibles. Uh, but I got to do a little bit about the context. Whenever you read your books, you got to make sure that you, you read what's around it so you understand what's really being said by the author, okay? There's an original audience with an original authorial attent, intent, and you got to discern that. And if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, first of all, Corinth was kind of like ancient Vegas, all right? Uh, it was... Uh, it was at the crossroads of, uh, of some major Roman highways uh, across the isthmus or the peninsula that is Greece and all of its surrounding areas. Uh, they would sail ships up to the, the, the bay and they'd actually throw them on rollers and roll them across land. Why? Just so they could go through uh, the city of Corinth where all of its traders and commerce were. Uh, it was a hub in the Roman world. And as uh, you know, big cities go, it had everything to offer. And, uh, you know, Paul and his uh, team come and they uh, help plant a church in Corinth. Uh, he writes them not just the first uh, two letters that we have in our Bibles, but two other letters. Why? Because they were constantly being pulled into the lesser things. Lots of it was error, lots of it was sin, um, but they were, they were constantly needing correction. And, and Paul uh, was willing to give it to them. And so if you read uh, 1 Corinthians up through the first 12 chapters before we get to chapter 13, it's a lot of correction. Do this, not that, Right? A lot of questions that he's kind of answering. It's like a mailbag. Hey, some of you are asking about food, a sacrifice to idols. Let me cover that. 
He does all kinds of stuff, but then he gets to a particular part of his letter in chapter 12 where he starts talking about the spiritual gifts of the church. Okay, God, if, you, if, if you're unfamiliar with this, if you become a Christian, you are given the Holy Spirit, sealed in the Holy Spirit, Ephesians tells us, and the Holy Spirit comes and, and dwells in you and brings with him the gifts that God intends for you to exercise in his body for his glory's sake, okay? So everybody in here, if you're a Christian, you got gifts. It's not a sermon series on gifts, but we, we're in the context of that in the, in the writing of what we're gonna read. Uh, now, the Corinthians had experienced the gifts, and guess what they did with them? They perverted them. How? Well, they all wanted the cool ones. Give me the cool ones. And, and for them, the cool ones were the visible ones. I don't care about hospitality. Nobody sees me serving people drinks at my house. I want the cool ones. I want to be able to preach and teach and speak tongues and do miracles and give prophecies. Those are the cool ones. And so Paul has this whole run in the, in the 12th chapter, and he says, hey, man, there's one body but many what? Many parts. And if you've ever read that portion of Scripture, he goes into how, uh, look, at your, look at your hands real quick. Isn't that a cool thing? Look at what God did. He put like a, a thumb on there and these four fingers to where we can grab things and punch, uh, no, we could grab things and, uh, you know, pick your nose with it if you, whatever, you know. Uh, sorry, that's horrible. Uh, but we are, can there, when the Bible tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, like one of my greatest arguments against evolution is just us. And I don't have time for those, but, uh, but there's a designer involved in this, right? Um, to, to where we have become. And so he goes into this whole analogy of the body, and he's like, God, the designer of our physical bodies, is the designer of our spiritual body, the church. And he's got all these parts in there that are necessary for us to function at you know, peak uh, you know, performance. And, and if people are always wanting to be something that they're not, we're, we're going to be a failure as a body as a whole because every part is important. All right, so let's pick up reading in verse 27 of chapter 12. He's kind of summarizing his body talk here when he says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God is appointed in the church, uh, and he goes through the list again. He's already talked about them in some ways, but he says there's apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues, uh, but then he says something really interesting. He does rhetorical questions. We all know what those are, right? The answer is obvious. Uh, I'm going to give you the answer ahead of time here. The answer for all of these questions is no. So I'm going to ask the question. Help me out. Give me the no. All right? Everybody ready? Are all prophets? Or, oh, wait. Are all apostles? I'm going to keep going. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Say it like you mean it. Say it with your chest. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Yeah, they don't. Why? Because we're all meant to do what God has called us to do, not what we want to do. That's another sermon for another day. But then this next line comes. And I don't often do this when I'm preaching the, the Bible to you. Um, our, our English translators have done a great job translating our, our original language into our English texts. Um, but there are sometimes different ways that you can take things. The way it's written in the English Standard Version here is he says this, earnestly desire the higher gifts. It's in the imperative, if you're a you know, word geek like me, uh, he, that's written as a command. It, it basically reads like this. It's in the, the second person plural. And so like all y'all should earnestly desire the higher gifts. Go back for me uh, on that one. 
all y'all should earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, uh, the imperative form of this word, uh, desire, um, is also the indicative form of this word, which is basically, here's what's up. This is how things are. Just indicates a fact that is true. And you could translate it this way, if you go to the next slide. Uh, You could just say, but you guys earnestly desire the higher gifts. I think that's a better translation. Why? Because he's been sassing them for being competitive with the gifts. The problem with your church is that everybody wants to be up front and show out, and no one's willing to you know, settle for the lesser gifts. So he's not telling them to go for the higher gifts. He's just making a statement. You guys, you got a problem. You keep wanting something that's not been given you by God. So you guys are all desiring the, the higher gifts. And then he says this, and this is where we're going to start in on love. And it's only going to be three more verses. Some of you are like, wow, he's not even started talking about love. But he says, hey, I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to show you what's more important. He actually calls it the excellent way. This is the highest high road. This is the best path. Let me talk to you about this. And then between chapter 12 and chapter 14, which picks right up again with these same conversations about worship in the church and the exercising of gifts, he does this beautiful little poetic, kind of almost hymn-like diatribe on what love is and what it is not. What's the higher way? The way that puts love in front. I was at a wedding recently. Uh, uh, Jacob and Carly Prince now got married. They grew up in our church. Uh, It was a celebration. This is a a picture of them and uh, uh, their wedding party. Uh, Anybody got pictures like this from your wedding if you've been married? Okay. I have yet to, I've done like over 200 weddings. Uh, I've yet to see a wedding photo. uh, Oh, oh, it's back here now. Uh, I've yet to see a wedding photo uh, where the bride is where that little girl is and the groom is at the end of that line. How weird would that be? How how, how quick would that wedding photographer be fired if his first suggestion is, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, Husband and wife, we're not gonna have you next to each other in any of the pictures. And we're just going to kind of randomly, so it'll be like, where's Waldo? We'll just kind of put you in there, and people can try to find you. The bride would be like, do you know how much I spent on this dress? It's going right in the middle. And, and rightly so. Come on. What's the point of this day? The attendants, the family members that came? No. It's the cake topper couple, right? They're meant to be in the middle, prominent, up front. We don't push them to the background. What Paul's about to say is, hey, man, there's all kinds of things going on in church, but you know what has to be up front, prominent, and not pushed to the background? The agape love of God. Anything, this is, we're going to do three verses and I'm going to go. Anything without love is nothing is the message that Paul starts with when he talks about love. Hey man, you can have everything else in the world, but if you leave out the love, you got zero. Say that with me. Anything without love is nothing. Three things, three verses. Without love, our words are just noise. Without love, we are rendered useless to God, and without love, giving goes without gain. Let me just run through these. And all I'm hoping for you to do is understand, you can have everything else in place, but if love's missing, You got nothing. 
He starts like this, again, referencing the gifts that he's been talking about. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and I read this week in my books, you know, lots of different arguments about what each one is, the tongues of men, is there an angel language, whatever. Listen, I think Paul's just trying to make a point. He's like, hey man, if you use words of any kind, spiritual or just regular or whatever, but if you use words in conversations, in, in exercising your gifts, but you fail to have love, what's he say? You're like a, I can't hear you, what's it say? We got our son Cooper a drum set when he was like seven, or no, I guess he's here, he's like 10, and we'd hear it from his back room, and he'd just wail on these things. Who wants to live in that house with us? Anybody wanna come over? Some of you are like, all right, Mark, enough. Some of you have this as your go-to-sleep uh, sound. Uh, it was what was on TV when I grew up after 12 o'clock because uh, newsflash, youngers, TV wasn't on all the time. Uh, can you play that for us? All right, that's enough, that's enough. It's annoying, it's annoying. Some of you people sleep to that. What is your problem? <laughs> it's grating. Now Paul says, hey man, if you use words and you, you don't season them with God's love, it's noise. It's annoying. Uh, he, he borrows from the pagan worship of the time. Uh, the, anybody seen like a, a Hare Krishna band walking around in a, you know, some street somewhere? Or, um, they're not as prevalent as they used to be, but uh, you know, they just, they'd be smacking instruments and, and, and making all kinds of noise to draw people for them, you know, for them to tell them all their lies. And, and uh, 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 that was used in pagan worship in Corinth. The, the, the pagan religions would walk through the streets and smack brass instruments, not necessarily drum cymbals, but like just make a lot of noise so they could draw people to a life of lies. And what does Paul say? Hey, man, if you're gonna speak on God's behalf with your spiritual you know, giftedness, or, or, or if you're gonna speak to each other and you leave out the love, you might as well just go worship in the pagan temples because God's not involved in that. His love is meant to be up front. Even in our, come on, you know this, I've preached this to you before, but even in our just day-to-day conversations. Uh, This is what James says wisely in the first chapter of his letter. He says, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak or type and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He doesn't mention love in those verses, but what he's essentially saying is like, hey, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as long before you launch into this. And before you launch into this, as you're being slow to speak, you know why I think that's happening or why God commands that? He wants the love to catch up with what you're saying. He wants what you say to be said in love. Let the love catch up. Let it get in there so that what you say can be beneficial and glorifying to God. Without love, our words are just noise. Without love, we're useless to God. We're useless to God. This is what he says, he's going back into some of those gifts. He says, if I have prophetic powers, the gift of prophecy, and then this is really interesting, he gets all superlative. He says, and if I understand, there's a gift of knowledge. If I understand, how many mysteries of knowledge? All of them. 
Has there been anyone on earth besides Jesus who understood all of the mysteries and all of the knowledge that has existed? No. But he says, hey, let's just play a game. What if there was someone who was that smart, who had all the answers? He goes on and he says, what if there were people who had all faith? Anybody here got faith? You got to have faith. Yeah, uh, yeah, faith is important. Are you perfect in your faith? No. Anybody here ever had a doubt? Well, that's where your faith wasn't digging in, right? Yeah, they, they, but he said, let's, let's just play a game. Let's play that there was someone on earth who had constant, unfailing faith. Would he be someone that the rest of us would go to and be like, how do you do that? Would the guy with all the answers and knowledge and mystery uh, you know, stuff be the, the person that we'd ask the questions to? Yeah. It'd be great to have that person. But guess what? If that person exists and has not love, what does Paul say? Well, if that's me, I'm nothing. This is a really interesting phrase. He could have said, I amount to nothing. I'm a big zero. But it, it, the way it's written is, is I have not existed. And what he means is, is in the, the world that God has appointed for me. I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm a no-show. It's as if I've never joined him in life if I am without his love. See, love makes things work. I've done this sort of illustration with you countless times. Drills are nice. I was helping my daughter, you know, uh, she's getting ready to leave her appoint, uh, apartment, you know, get her deposit back. Yeah. So uh, went over there and was, you know, helping with my drill. Um, uh, but this and this need to go together to make this, right? Uh, apart from each other. I mean, I guess you could try, you know, unscrewing things. It'd be annoying, uh, certainly not as efficient. And maybe I could hammer a couple nails with this, you know, until it broke. Um, but the way this is supposed to work, and so your gifts, my gifts, your words, my words, they're meant to be powered by God's love. Without love, giving goes without gain. Um, he says this in verse three. He says, if I give away all that I have. It's a really interesting word. Can I geek out one more time on the Greek language? Uh, the Greek word here for give away is, is the only time this word is used in your Bibles. It's the Greek word pesomizo. Everybody say pesomizo. Isn't that fun? Pesomizo, pesomizo. Uh, it's a word that basically means uh, taking what you have and handing it out, like, like spoon feeding a baby. Here you go. Bit by bit, here you go. And it's this picture of, of, of you giving everything that you have uh, away incrementally. We had this uh, elder in my church in Dallas. His name was Mike Tuttle. He was f really rich. And so he would come around at Christmas time, dress up like Santa, and go to your house if you were on staff or one of the you know, leaders in our church. And he'd sit your kids down and he'd say to them, hey, uh, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And they'd go through a list. And he says, well, that sounds like a $100 bill. And he would hand this little kid, uh, you know, $100 or something like that. It was, I don't remember what it was. But it was way more money than we were spending on him, right? And so we were always glad to see Santa Tuttle show up at our house. And he kind of did what this word's saying. He just went house to house and was like, here. And if you, t so if, if you and I liquidated all that we own and got it somehow in cash form and just started walking through Brandon and just started giving people, th th that's the picture that, that Paul's trying to paint here. Hey man, if you got rid of everything you had and you gave it to everybody who had need, which can we agree? Pretty noble, Pr pretty generous, right? Uh, but, and, and, but he didn't want to stop there. He says, but let, let me just go even further. 
If you've done all that, and you've, you're completely out of material resources, but then uh, uh, it comes time for you to uh, say yes or no to Jesus, and the cost will be your life. And he says, and if I deliver my body up to be burned, if I would die for my faith, again, something we would esteem, yeah, for those who would uh, believe even unto death, they're probably doing this Christian thing right, right? He says, if you give all that you have and your very life up for the cause of Christ, but here it comes, but you don't have love, you gain nothing. I've always found it fascinating that he puts that gain in there because what were the Corinthians fussing about as they were arguing over which gifts they would have? They wanted to be seen, to show out, to gain for themselves the notoriety that would come from being up front he says, I know that's your game. But even if you do what God commands us to do, which is to sacrifice and to give and, and to offer up our very lives for his sake, the net on that is zero. Uh, so Tina Turner asked the question, what's love got to do with it? Uh, the Bible's answered it for everything. Love's got to do with everything. Because without love, anything is nothing. We're going to be just walking through the next few verses uh, over the next few uh, weeks. And my hope for us is is that if our, our love has been pushed to the background... Uh, It hasn't been foremost in our marriages, in our relationship with our kids, in our relationships with each other. If we're busy doing lots of other things that seem good and on their merits are, but we fail to have the love of God shining through us, when it's all for nothing, it's all for nothing. Glenn's going to play as I pray. Would you stand with me as we close? Hey, God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity just to begin this conversation on love. Uh, we live in a world permeated with the messages of love, romance, and, and you know, uh, give and take, camaraderie. Uh, but you call us to a higher standard the love that you have for us, this love that gives and expects nothing in return. You hope for us to have that be a part of everything that we are and everything that we say and everything that we do, even the things that we think. You want everything to run through this filter and to start with your love. Grant us your grace in that, God. There might be people who are, uh, heads are bowed right now online or here in this room uh, who are uh, not loving on the drive here or had a, a, an unloving episode uh, this past uh, couple days. And there might be uh, things that they need to confess and repent of and uh, re-up in as far as your love is concerned. I pray it should lead us to whatever conversations need to be had. There, there's some in here who have never experienced your love by receiving in faith what Jesus gives. I pray that uh, those who don't know you yet would come to know you 
and fall before you and receive the love that you give for them in Jesus Christ by faith. Uh, we love you, Lord. <laughs> and uh, we want to love like you, Lord. Help us in that, I pray. And I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Love you guys. Mean it. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.